often the forgotten position in fantasy, but it is still hugely important to make sure you're selecting the correct tight end to help you win a fantasy title. We're going to run you through six tight ends that you need to be avoiding this year in redraft leagues. We're the Fantasy Sanctuary and we're here to help you pick the right tight ends to win yourself a title. The first one, Tom, it feels like we've talked about him a few times this offseason. George Kittle, he had an incredible run down the stretch with Brock Purdy under centre, but he was hugely touchdown reliant. He was more touchdown reliant than any other elite tight end has been in, in recent history. And I just think he's going to be too much of a, you know, touchdown reliant option, boom bust option, because you can't bank on that volume week in, week out. Do you, do you tend to agree? Yeah, I think George Kittle's probably the heaviest flag plan that I've gone into this season with. Going against him and saying that I'm not drafting him at his cost of tight end four. You know, I want Travis Kelsey, I want Mark Andrews, and then I want Kyle Pitts, who's going after him. I want TJ Hawkinson at cost. But George Kittle, yeah, you touched on it. He had 11 touchdowns last year, which is a complete outlier when you look back over the course of his career. He'd never managed more than six before last year. And perhaps perhaps it is sticky. Perhaps Brock Purdy is just going to utilise George Kittle in a way that Jimmy G never did. But that's that touchdown rate which you talked about, he had the highest touchdown rate of any tight end who saw over 50 targets. In the eight games with no touchdowns, he had 4.9 half PPR points per game. In best ball, you might be able to overcome that. In redraft, that is an absolute brutal hit to be taking from a tight end that you're paying a premium pick for. And Kittle, he dominated against opponents who struggle to defend against tight ends. I write a DFS matchup column every week. And last year, two teams who you always started looking at the tight end position with were who was playing the Seahawks and who was playing the Cardinals because they just couldn't defend the position. George Kittle scored six touchdowns against them across three games. So there's all that. And then you have to consider the fact that when Debo Samuel wasn't there, when George Kittle was going off, you know, when Samuel was playing, George Kittle's points per game was 9.14 half PPR points per game. In the games that Samuel missed, it jumped double that to 18 per game. So... You can look at all the splits. You can say when everyone was healthy, it was Debo Samuel was the first target. It was then Ayuk after that, and it was CMC. And then it was George Kittle as fourth choice. And it's incredibly difficult for me to build anything in terms of a case for George Kittle. You know, we know he's got that elite ceiling, but so do some of the other tight ends who are available. And I'd much rather just wait a couple of rounds and take Kyle Pitts and bank on the ceiling outcomes there from a younger tight end instead. And another tight end that, that sort of was slightly boom bust. We saw that incredible rookie season in 2017. He then disappeared into fancy wasteland for three or four years before booming back in a massive way, finishing as the tight end eight. But another offense that there's more mounds to feed. We talked about Calvin Ridley coming into this offense Throughout the offseason, he is a true number one receiver that's going to command north of 25% target share. Well, Evan Ingram last year only saw 17% target share and yet had a really efficient season because he saw some decent usage around the goal line and was used in inventive ways. Can we rely on that yet again 
when there's another massive mouth to feed that's just been plopped in this offense? I don't think we can. I mean, you know, England did fantastic washing away like the stench of Jason Garrett and Joe Judge from his time with the Giants. But it wasn't like he just hit the ground running in week one and was really fantasy viable consistently. He had 42 targets between weeks 13 and 17, which was only behind Hawkinson and Kelsey. And that was the point where he turned into a real league winner. But it wasn't that way for the whole season. You know, I think it's tricky because there's a clear upside with Evan Ingram. Like last year, he was the only tight end drafted out of a top 100 spots in ADP who had a 100-yard receiving game. And that is all league-winning stuff, and he deserves to be a top 12 tight end. But tight end eight doesn't feel good to me. I mean, you know, he only had three games over 15 PPR points, and I think there's still... The difference between Engram and the real elite tight ends, or even like Kyle Pitts, who we're still at, you know, I'm given a level of projection to, that's quite a substantial difference. But meanwhile, Engram, he's right around the area of kind of players like David and Joku, Pat Frymouth. I think it's easier for me to see them outplaying him, outperforming him this year than it is for Engram to have another real fantastic season. Yeah, I think. I- I can kind of get on board with Evan Ingram around his cost because I think there is a world where this offense takes a step forward. I, I really believe in Trevor Lawrence taking that massive jump and I think that there's going to be more scoring opportunities. But this is a guy that had a great year last year but was 13th in target share at the tight end position. And we're saying that he's probably going to see a slight reduction in terms of target share because Calvin Ridley's been dropped in. So, yeah, there's there's plenty of those guys. And and I think there's maybe even some guys going after him that I'd probably prefer. Definitely Pat Frymouth over, over him straight up. Another guy that I just can't get on board with, I think the, the cost is absolutely mind-blowing. Dalton Kincaid. Is he a guy that you're, you're dabbling in, you're dropping some shares in best ball, or are you just avoiding completely? Very rarely, occasionally, if I've got Josh Allen, then you know you have to buy into the idea that his passing game is going to be explosive. But you know, Dalton Kincaid's being drafted as the second highest rookie tight end over the last few years, only behind Kyle Pitts. Like it's really unusual for a rookie tight end to be drafted as high as Kincaid is. And all the talk is that they're going to use him more as a slot receiver than a true tight end. And perhaps if they completely ignore the tight end position, that becomes something that happens. But you look back at the stats with rookie tight ends over the past two decades to the turn of the millennium, like 384 tight ends have played in the NFL in their rookie season and recorded some form of a stat. Of those 384, only two of them averaged 10.0 points for their rookie season. You know, And then if you want to specify more, like rounds one to three, where we're typically more interested in players with that good draft capital, 106 tight ends, fall into that category 25% of them failed to exceed even 1.9 half PPR points per game 56% failed to put an average of 4.0 on the board and basically only 20% of rookie tight ends managed to average over 6.0 half PPR points in their rookie season and for me I look at the number of white tight ends who are veterans who consistently do that Dolan Kincaid if you've got deep benches that's fine. Stash Dalton Kincaid and perhaps down the stretch he's coming up great for you. But Dalton Kincaid is not a week one starter. 
I that's I think that's it for me is that yeah in best ball I get it because you you can attack the position with volume and you can kind of get by in dynasty I get it I think in two three years Kincaid's going to be fantastic but for redraft I just can't see a world where he is a startable option until at best we're talking week seven week eight I think he's going to take some time to get up and running and that's a best case scenario so there's no world in which in a redraft league I'm carrying a tight end six, seven weeks on my bench once we start getting into bye weeks just for the potential upside. I'd much rather go and buy someone else, draft someone else, and if needs be, I'll trade for Dalton Kincaid halfway through the year once he starts getting on the field and, and actually producing. Another guy that I just cannot get my head around, another year, another year where he doesn't produce, and yet Irv Smith is being hyped up as another tight end that we should be drafting. Tom, Please, can can you talk some sense into me? I have never understood the Irv Smith hype, and yet tight end 18 in ADP, this is just wild. It's absolutely bananas because people are just looking at, okay, Irv Smith is with the Bengals. Well, that's great, but the Bengals just don't target the tight end position. You look at what Hayden Hurst was doing there, and yeah, in 2022, Joe Burrow targeted Titans 94 times, which is the ninth lowest amount of any offense in the league. Hayden Hurst, he averaged 7.1 PPR points in games without a touchdown and had only two touchdowns all season. You know, Two-thirds of Hurst's games resulted in single-digit fantasy returns. So now you're going to tell me that Irv Smith, a player that's never been able to earn targets on an offense, has suddenly become fantasy relevant. You know, We saw... What happened with the Vikings last year when they got TJ Hawkinson in there, an actual good NFL player, they were able to really utilize him and they targeted him at like, you know, at a level consistent with Travis Kelsey. But Irv Smith, you know, you go back through the years, he ranked 58th in targets per route run in 2019, 59th in 2020. Irv Smith is not a good football player. We've seen him drop balls. We've seen him unable to command targets. And if you are thinking that just because he is now a member of the Bengals that he's suddenly become fantasy relevant, then I'm sorry, but that's just not happening this year. I I honestly have never got my head around the Irv Smith hype and I cannot get my head around him being on the Bengals. In what world are you ever feeling comfortable clicking next to his name to start on a week-in-week-out basis. He's at best, at the very best, the fifth choice in this option, and you're praying for a touchdown. Well, there's plenty of other tight ends that I'd think have got a much higher chance of scoring a touchdown than Irv Smith. So, yeah, I, I can't get on board at tight end 30 prices, let alone tight end 18. This is a, the next guy I think we kind of slightly disagree on here, Tom. So I'll let you go first. Cole Komet. Obviously, an interesting pass offense. Should we say that in terms of <laughs> Chicago? Um, is 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 that interesting volume the reason why you're fading him? No, it's because I just don't think Cole Komet is particularly going to be. Cole Komet had every opportunity to be fantasy relevant last year. There was no competition for targets last year. You know, there was a bunch of IKEA sales staff playing for wide receiver <laughs> for the Bears. It was just there were irrelevant players left, right, and center. And Cole Komet should have been able to do better than he did. You know, last year he had eight finishes outside the top 20 in position and he scored less than 10 PPR points in 75% of his appearances. He had a two-week spell that massively inflated his numbers with 45 points over the two of them. But the problem with that is you weren't starting Komet for at least one of those games because 
you know, the first game that in that streak he scored 16.8 PPR points. Sorry, the first of those games, you weren't starting him when he went off because of the three weeks before that, he'd scored a combined 16.8 PPR points. So, and then when he did go off, did you have enough faith in him to suddenly start him the week after that? Was it like, okay, the breakout's here? Or was it like, okay, well, looking back over the last four weeks, this is the only week where he's actually been relevant, so I don't know if I can start him again. You know, his 20, he had a 19.3% target share, which was the seventh highest amongst all tight ends. But his yards per route run of 1.2 was 43rd amongst all tight ends. You know, he wasn't able to turn targets into production, and now DJ Moore's going to be there. Yes, we've added Robert Tonyan as well, which I'm not saying Robert Tonyan's suddenly going to become this pass-catching god of a tight end, but it's somebody else who's going to play snaps, which is meaningful. And even if the Bears see an increase from 12.8 pass completions per game, I don't think it's going to be to the point where we're ever consistently sustaining anyone outside of DJ Moore this year. I think this this is where we disagree because I look at those numbers in terms of low yards per route run and a crazy high target share and think, well, if Chicago last year had a insanely low pass attempts per game rate of 22.2, the league average is at 33. Like, if they regress slightly towards the league average, there's going to be more volume. He produced okay in terms of the raw target numbers that he got. The problem is, is that there wasn't enough pass attempts to go around. Now, the Bears have just paid him significant money. I think that they're investing in him longer term. Yeah, I'm not drafting Cole Komet and expecting him to be a great tight end. But I think that in the, the range that he's going at tight end at 19, I think this offense is going to take a step forward. I think this offense is going to be more pass happy. And therefore, if Cole Komet can continue to carve out the volume that he did last year, that's only going to make him more fancy relevant. You know, this is a guy that is a big body. We know that he is useful in and around the red zone. Yet, hopefully, we can see a higher number of pass attempts that means he can be fancy relevant. So, yeah, I completely get not attacking him as a top 12 tight end. But a tight end 19, that's a guy that I can get on board with and say, you know what? There's a there's a range of outcomes where Justin Fields takes that step forward as a passer and this offense takes a step forward. And I think Cole Komet's gonna be brought along for the ride if if that does happen. And I'll be happy to watch you play that out. <laughs> <laughs> the next guy we're talking about, it feels like he he was getting overhyped. He was the tight end darling of the offseason. And then DeAndre Hopkins signed and suddenly everyone couldn't jump off the ship quickly enough. It's Chigozium Okonkwo. Are you a believer? Are you thinking that this is just another option on the Titans offense that we just don't want? I don't think I feel quite as strongly about Chigozium Okonkwo as you do, Rich. I think you're more out on him than I am. I mean, the Titans, they targeted the tight end position at the 12th highest rate in the last year. And under Ryan Tannehill, Plenty of tight ends have been fantasy relevant. So I do kind of lean into that slightly at times. And it's, you know, it is definitely harder to get on board with it now we've added DeAndre Hopkins. Before DeAndre Hopkins was there, I think I was more in at cost because I think it was very easy to look around and go, okay, well, he's only competing with Traylon Burks and Nick Westbrook, Kine for targets. 
DeAndre Hopkins is absolutely a volume hog. And even though Chiggy, you know, down the stretch between weeks 12 to 17 last year, he had 2.5 yards per route run, which was the third highest among all pass catchers, not just tight ends with, you know, all players with 10 catches or more. I think he's an incredibly athletic player, but I just don't think that this offense is going to be able to sustain even two pass catchers because I think the offensive line is going to absolutely stink. I think Brian Tannehill is probably going to be in and out of the lineup. I think we've got a very difficult start to this season. It wouldn't surprise me if we see a quarterback change earlier than possibly some other people do think. And yeah, I just, I don't mind taking shots on Chiggy in best ball because I think he has the kind of ceiling, which certain tight ends don't have, but it's a very difficult self redraft for a team that will possibly score an average of what, 18 to 20 points per week. Yeah. I think for me, you touched on some of those advanced numbers and it felt like all off season, those advanced numbers were thrown down my throat because that's proof that he was going to be a superstar. You know, that 2.5 yards per route run, 26% targets per route run. It's like, okay, that's great. The reason those numbers were so high because he only ran a route on 36.5% of offensive passing plays. Like, if you're hardly on the field, yeah, your advanced numbers are going to look great because there's not the volume there to sustain it. Yeah, there is absolutely some talent there. There is potential that he could break out. But I just don't think that he is going to be consistently on the field enough to be able to be fantasy relevant consistently. Yes, there will be some spike weeks, and I get what you're saying about... You know, in best ball, that's fine. But in redraft, I want a guy that I can plug in week in, week out. The Titans offensive line is the worst in the league by an absolute mile. They are going to need every single piece of help they can to block. They don't need a huge athletic freak of a tight end that can't block and needs to line up in the slot in order to to function. They're going to need that prototypical sixth offensive lineman in order to protect the quarterback to, you know, to be able to get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins and downfield. So I'm just worried that he's not going to be on the field enough, running enough routes to be consistently reliable week in, week out. And that's why for me, he's an easy fade at at current cost. And that, that concludes the six tight ends. Hopefully you're in agreement that you, uh, that you're going to avoid all six of them. If there's one that you firmly disagree with, one that you think that we've got wrong, let us know in the comments below. We reply to every single comment we receive. Also, while you're there, make sure you're hitting that thumbs up. Make sure you're hitting that subscribe because there is plenty, plenty more content coming your way. 